If you're an American conservative, you know that the societal values we hold sacred are under attack. They are hanging in the balance. How can you protect those values? By staying informed. The closing argument will deliver news and supporting evidence you need to support and defend those values. Here's Paul Smith. Good morning. This is Paul Smith. Welcome to the closing argument. In this podcast, we discuss some of the important but controversial moral, political, and legal issues that affect us and our families today. And today we're going to talk about capitalism and socialism. I have with me for my guest, uh, my good friend who we're going to call Rodney from uh, New Windsor. How are you, Rodney? I'm fine today. So uh, those of you who are from Frederick, Maryland and listen to talk radio will know Rodney, uh, the beloved conservative from New Windsor, who is a, a great, has great comments all the time. Now, I published a book a couple of years ago called The Capitalism Argument. I've got a copy of it here, and, and Rodney and I are going to talk about it. It's not very long. It's about, uh, looks like it's about 80 pages. And I, I first published it during the, uh, be, before the Democrats had decided on their nominee. My purpose was to educate as many people as I could. So I kept it short so as not to exceed the attention span of those who needed to read it. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to, first of all, define capitalism and socialism uh, briefly, and then talk about some of the elements of, of both of them. So um, are, are you happy to talk about capitalism and socialism? Uh, yes, <laughs> I am. <laughs> we, yeah, we've been talking. We could probably go on for an hour. We're going to try to keep this concise. So uh, why don't you, if you can, define capitalism and then define socialism? Let me see if I agree with your definition. Well, my definition <clears throat> of capitalism is, to me, is what I call free enterprise People are allowed to do what they want to do or not do what they don't want to do, and they are rewarded based on what they're willing to do. And socialism is basically everybody is the same, which we know isn't the case, because anytime you look in the mirror, that becomes very obvious. I could point at sports athletes that I could never do what they do. And I can cite some of those same athletes without insulting them. It couldn't do anything close to what I can do in other areas. Well, that, well, that's good. Now, one reason I want to talk about this is because capitalism is given a very bad name and is demonized by the socialists today. And even some people who actually believe in capitalism are sometimes reluctant to defend it. Uh, I want to make it very clear the capitalistic system is the greatest system. It is a system of freedom. And if you want freedom, you're going to have to have capitalism. If you're happy not having freedom, I guess you can go to China or somewhere, somewhere else where they don't have freedom. But freedom is the essence of it. Well, I guess my argument would be if for those who think socialism is, is better to cite any country, and there's plenty of them out there that are much older than we are because we're 248 years old since we separated from England, that have accomplished as much as America has accomplished in the short time, 248 years, with as few a people as they have, and show me that socialist country, any socialist right. country that can even come close to comparison. Right. Uh, now, in terms of a title or topic of socialism, in the early 1800s, people began to talk about it, and it, it seemed to have some 
some enamor to some pseudo-educated people, I will say. Uh, basically, it's sharing and, and it's like share the wealth and so forth. But as we're going to discuss, there are a couple of problems with an, an economic system that, that uh, mandates socialism. First of all, we talked about freedom. Uh, let's talk about one freedom in particular, the ownership of property. In socialism, you don't own property. You're just given what someone thinks you need. And the other uh, aspect of that is if you were to produce something, it's not yours. Whatever you produce is someone else's. So socialism robs the individual of incentive to work. To work. And, and ultimately, the, the reason the United States has become so great, in my opinion, is the combination. It does have a lot of good natural resources, but the system that we have, the economic system, is free enterprise, and it gives us the, the right to have the fruits of our labors, the, the law of the harvest, so to speak, as well as uh, the blessings for our creativity and, and ingenuity and, and dedication. So uh, now you mentioned history. We're not going to take a lot of time going into the history. Uh, probably the, the, uh, the birth of modern socialism was probably when Marx... Uh, came up with his manifesto and, and wanted to promote this. Uh, there are a couple of interesting things about it, though. Um, Marx um, loved war and revolution, and he also uh, rejected a bleak in God. Now, well, I, I was going to say that, Paul, most socialists are what I call atheists. They don't believe in a supreme being. And I, I still go back to the fact that you mentioned earlier, socialism has been tried in this country. If it was so great, why didn't it work? It hadn't worked in, in any of the enterprises that I'm aware of. It, it sure hasn't. I mean, we don't have to look back too far when the Soviet enterprise, the Soviet Union came apart in 1989. You and I would live through that. Maybe some of our listeners didn't, but, but socialism, uh, it just collapsed economically. And the, the socialism in Venezuela collapsed fairly recently. Well, and that was a wealthy nation for a period of time. Well, the Iron Lady said it best, Margaret Thatcher, this is her line, not mine. She, and her point was socialism, socialism always works till you run out of other people's money. Exactly. I never forgot that line because it's like, thank you, madam. <laughs> so what we have in the United States is, frankly, in, in my opinion, uh, it, it is popular to embrace socialism and to condemn capitalism, but I don't think the students who are taught this fully understand it, because if they did, uh, you cannot intellectually argue how great socialism is. It, it always, always falls apart. Well, I would ask these students to do what I thought of that I heard professors do. If you think socialism is so great when you take a test and you get your test papers back, Share some of the points if you got an A with the students that got Fs and see see if you appreciate socialism at that point. Right. It's only fair, huh? <laughs> it's only fair that everybody get an equal part, even if they didn't participate or study or anything. I mean, yeah, socialism is only great in a theoretical sense. And unfortunately, humans aren't all alike. We have people that are willing to work 24 hours a day, and we have people that don't want to work 24 hours a month. So in, in capitalism, someone can become rich, but that's the reason people like to come here because they want that opportunity to become rich. Now, I'm not rich yet, 
but I've done okay, and I, I like the opportunity. I'm not rich either. And I, in fact, I've had that discussions on our radio station too. I grew up, and my mother, she she came through the Depression. She had to quit school in seventh grade to go to work for a long time. So she always told us as kids, I don't have school education, academic education, but I have common sense, which isn't so common. I would see a lot of people work their whole lives, and we have them right around us now. I can name them Bill Gates, uh, Forbes, uh, Elon Musk, Bloomberg, all these people. They couldn't spend all the money they have right now if they stopped doing everything and tried to spend their money. They spend their whole lives making the money. They die. Some will leave it to charity. Some will leave it to the children. What's the sense other than it's a real life game of Monopoly and it's no real rewards at the end because when you play Monopoly, you're not any better off when the game ends. Well, let me just put a little side note in there. We're in April of 2022. And so yesterday the news was that Elon Musk had has now the, the largest shareholder in Twitter, I believe. Yes. And uh, so that is a big deal to me because this guy speaks out and says what he wants and he isn't silenced, but Twitter has been silencing conservatives and has been silencing people who support capitalism. I agree with you. And for that respect, I have gained more respect for Elon Musk because his opposing view of that is a guy named Bill Gates who I never had respect for from a technical standpoint, because I'm a technical person, but he was very good at marketing. And some of the things that he has done, I mean, his wealth all comes because of capitalism, would have never happened under socialism, yet the things he pushed, it's not for his family, it's only for us, what I call serfs. Well, let's mention something, a, a flaw that people uh, say exists in capitalism, and that is that there are poor people and that capitalism impoverishes people and doesn't take care of the poor. What do you th what's your answer to that? Capitalism does take care of the poor from the standpoint. I have never seen anybody in this country starve to death unless they did it themselves. There's homeless people. We in America do more for our disadvantaged people than any other country that I know of. It definitely doesn't happen over in China. It doesn't happen in Russia. It never happened down in Cuba. And if you believe in socialism in, in what you call Venezuela, cite me the successes of socialism. I want to know where they're at. We have in the United States a lot of people that help others. I don't know that there's any nation that can hold a candle to us nonprofits coming out your your ears and and the people are good they they want to help others so and we have we have the ordinary citizen helping others you go in this country we got poor people and churches helping others and churches help others all religions help others pretty much but I also I'll drive through Frederick I see these people standing out on street corners and stuff begging for money I personally will give to them because of my religious beliefs because the Bible tells us that we should share with people. And it was my son that taught me this, not me. If I give to somebody that's standing on the corner, he's a beggar, whatever they are, I've done what Christ has told me to do. If they misuse the money, that's on their shoulders. I've done my part. Well, the other thing about capitalism is, is the people who have money, they take risks, and they create jobs. 
And the government has never been good at business. It has proven it is not good at business. And we need uh, these things to be taken care of, business to be developed, and the poor to be taken care of by the private sector as much as possible. Well, I don't know if you want me to I can give an example of how the government can't take care of business. And this was close and personal. My son-in-law is a pilot for FedEx. We won't go any further than that. But I do stamp shows. I meet plenty of people. A pilot came to my table. He flies out of Shenandoah Valley on a plane. They own a government contract to bring people up here to Hagerstown Airport. And I just ask him, it's kind of on the side of my table, do you ever fly empty? And his response was simple. He's like, yes, 99% of the time. Why would you fly empty if we don't fly? The government doesn't pay us. I said, why don't they pay your overhead and your salaries, but you're saving on jet maintenance and you're saving on fuel? He goes, that's not how it works. Hmm. So he's basically well, telling me that he's flying. The company is efficient, 1% efficiency, and they're getting paid 100% as if they're 100% efficient. And you notice all the other commercial airlines that don't have government since if they don't have enough people, they don't fly. They'll come and tell you they've got well, problems. I wasn't aware of that. That's, that's terrible. That's crazy. But here's two examples that everybody is aware of. When the government took over health care with, with the promise that more people would have it and it would, our prices would go down, just the opposite that happened. Everybody's cost for health care skyrocketed. And Government can't do it. Most people, most people know that. And the other thing, I've, I don't know if these young people know this, because I worked in the federal government. Something came up where I worked without going into a lot of details, but it basically violated federal law. And the executive director came to me and he's like, we should do this. And it's like, it violates law. He goes, the federal government doesn't have to obey its own laws and that shocked me and astounded me, me. But after further discussions with him, I was able to convince our executive director that we weren't going to look very good in the eyes of our neighboring enterprises if we violated something that they could do where we had the rule that we didn't have to obey. That tells you everything you want to know about the federal government, the fact that they don't have to obey their own laws. Yeah, that's that's terrible. And a good example that, of that, I give you real quick. Okay is, and I, can I mention names of politicians? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is one of them. She and her husband literally made over $25 million this year on insider trading on the Moderna virus, you know, the vaccine. She will never be prosecuted for that because they're immune for that. Yet Martha Stewart, who was a pretty well-off lady, but she wasn't part of the insider group, spent six months in jail for insider trading it's absolutely insane what politicians get away with. All right. Well, uh, Rodney, since you mentioned that, again, we're in April. And last night on the news, I heard that Pelosi's uh, former assistant is being nominated to be on the board of SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Of course. <laughs> and, and she takes advantage of that. Oh, that Somebody's calling Rodney in the middle of our phone. Sure, I'll call you back. They're going to have to I'm call him back. Assist. But 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 in any event, going going. Oh, the other example I wanted to mention, and people are aware of this. 
for some time, the government has wanted to promote solar energy. I mean, we all would love solar energy to work. It, I think it was in the Obama administration. They were offering all sorts of credits and benefits to people who would who would do that. And the government gave millions of dollars to to uh, solar energy companies that went belly up. And so the the story from this is it ended up being a waste of taxpayers' money as the government tries to move things in the direction they want to go. It would have been better for them not to do this, just encourage people to do it, let it happen when it's going to happen. And we know in Frederick, Maryland here, we had a solar panel business here right in downtown Frederick that moved away, and I think it went overseas. The reason being, it was not economically feasible. They felt, and I don't know what nation they went to, whether they went to China or wherever, but it wasn't economically feasible at that time. Well, it was SolarX. I can tell you who it was. Yeah. Because a friend of mine has the first solar-powered service station in the United States, which is in Albany, Maryland. If you go to Albany, Maryland, you can see if they still have the solar panels on it. And I've known Bob since he was four years old. He's now like 58. I asked him, how much of the electricity do those solar panels produce for your service station? He's like, Rodney, it's a joke. Less than 4% of what we need. But at one time, his particular company owns SolarX. Uh, let's move on. I want to bring this to a conclusion as soon as I can. Now, I, I encourage you to go to my website, www.cpaulsmith.com. You can buy my book, The Client, the Capitalism Argument. You'll find it very helpful. I want to mention, with your help, really quickly to go down through some of the elements that relate to both capitalism and socialism. Do a little contrast comparison. In uh, ownership of property, in capitalism, who owns the property? The purchaser, whoever the, right. the ordinary citizen. In socialism, it's the state. Yes. Which, which system uh, promotes productivity and creativity? Capitalism. capitalism. Socialism does not at all. And same with incentive. It exists in capitalism, but does not in socialism. How about living where you want? It's capitalism. You have that choice. You can be employed where you want. Same thing. You can start your own business if you want. You can retain the profits. Uh, belief in God. I want to mention this briefly. On the one hand, it has nothing to do with the economic system, except uh, Marx and Lenin. And going down to uh, through the, the socialists of today, they make it a point to go after God. And they're, they are, for the most part, are atheists. They don't, yes. didn't have to. But I find this association significant. I don't think it's, again, a part of the system, except the two are related. Uh, they're are, very are close connected. together. But can I just cite one other thing yeah. real quickly? <clears throat> I find America very exciting for all these, particularly for students or whoever. If you love our national parks, here's one thing you got to know. The United States under Teddy Roosevelt, under capitalism, came up with the idea that all of our precious places would be owned by the citizens of that entity, the United States. You go overseas into Europe and all, royalty owns all the precious places. Mm -hmm. And that's a significant difference. You can go to the national parks you don't have to worry it's been made into a Disneyland by somebody or anything like that. We, as ordinary citizens, we all have an equal share in our national parks. Great point. All right, let me mention just a couple more uh, elements here. Wealth. Uh, 
capitalism has produced more wealth than any other system. Uh, socialism seems to deplete wealth. What about the existence of poverty? It exists in every system. The question is, is it better for the government to take control of everything? Or is it best to try to address poverty as much as you can by the people contributing what they will of their own free will? And I'm of that position. Uh, let me ask this too, freedom of speech. What is that connection? If you will just pay attention to what has happened the last few years, conservatism has been uh, marginalized. I mean, it was just, I'm just hearing on the news today and yesterday where at Yale University, a group wanted to silence a conservative speaker at that university. What have we come to in the United States when the most important and fundamental of all freedoms, freedom of speech, is, is uh, just uh, fought and, and trampled upon? Well, to me, Paul, that's pretty obvious. When somebody wants to silence somebody, it means they can't win the argument. Because if you have, if the argument's on your side, I'm more than happy to listen to somebody discuss socialism. I'm willing to debate with them. I don't want to silence them. I want to show them where they're wrong. The minute you start telling people they're, you're going to silence them, it means you're wrong. Well, that is exactly what has happened in the last couple of years in the United States, where there have been many riots and, and vandalism around the country, which is tolerated by the socialists because they don't mind the violence, because it's an opportunity for someone to, to assume power. And, uh, you know, as long as you have the right point of view, they're happy to trample on, on speech. But how did we become so wealthy in 248 years? I mean, other countries have had thousands of years. I mean, that speaks for itself. That, yep. to me, speaks for itself about which system is best. It's just like having two races between two cars. The one that gets to the finish line first wins the race. And America has always got to the finish line first. All right, let, let me mention a couple of other factors. War. You need to recognize Marx and Lenin and the most and our recent uh, communist leaders of the 20th century. They loved war. It was an opportunity. Anytime there's chaos, it was an opportunity for them to come in and come to power. It's interesting if you go back in history, Lenin took power in Russia after the revolution there in 1917. He was not the most popular person. He was he was a minority person. But he was a, had a power, powerful personality and was able to take power in a tumultuous circumstance. But they were also murderers. I mean, I know most well, that people, helped him. He was, but most the, people of history hate Adolf Hitler, and he was a bad guy. But Stalin, Chairman Mao, all those people killed more people than Adolf Hitler ever did. I'm not sure what good they did. Adolf Hitler actually did some good things. He came up with the People's Automobile which people know as the Volkswagen. He also he came up with the interstate system of highways, which is the Autobahn. And one of our greatest presidents, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was of German extract, he's the one who came up with the interstate system for us because he realizes America general, you need ways to move your, your military equipment around in your country if you're going to survive a war from an enemy attacking you. So it was through their murders and exercise of power that they stayed in power. And to this day, right now, you've got the Ukraine uh, nation being attacked and demolished by Russia. And again, it's just a bald, bare ex 
exercise of power to try to extend socialistic and communist authority. Uh, let me mention a couple other things. We've got to wrap this up. I want to talk about education briefly. Uh, education is a tool of the socialist leaders to help them maintain power. You badmouth capitalism and you, uh, uh, and, and that's what's happening in our education system in America, unfortunately. I'm grateful I, could, I can be around to help my kids and grandkids uh, correct some of the things they're learning. Well, I'll just make one comment, particularly if high school students solicit this. I'm a pretty old guy at 78. When I was in eighth grade, my civics teacher in eighth grade, which I don't think they teach civics anymore, told me that America would never fall to an enemy, but it would be attacked from what he called the fifth column was through our schools and universities. And I looked at him and kind of laughed at the time I thought about it. But now that I'm much older, I realized the wisdom that that civics teacher had because he nailed it right on the head. Well, we're going to have to leave our discussion pretty much right there. I want to mention something we don't have time to get into in detail, but I do want to mention this, that current issues that are facing the United States of America today, uh, the Green New Deal, Biden's Build Back Better plan, stimulus packages, and different racism and, and gender issues and the pandemic, all of these are being tools that are used by, by the socialist extremists to establish government power, to make people do things, and to take away as many liberties as they, they can so that we ultimately will have a one-world government and, and our liberties will be less. But what will happen economically, if this is successful, it will destroy the wealth of America. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our discussion today. We'll have another exciting discussion on another time. Just re remember this, the liberties we enjoy in America can be maintained only when its citizens are moral and informed participants in the democratic processes. Closing argument will help us do this. Again, I invite you to go to my website, buy my book, The Climate Change, well, The Climate Change Argument. We didn't even talk about that. The Capitalism Argument. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.